Hello, and welcome to the Organizing for Change podcast. The goal of this podcast is to equip coalitions, organizations, and individuals to bring change to their communities. The host of the Organizing for Change podcast is the coalition coordinator for Avon, Massachusetts, Amanda Decker. Thank you for listening. Welcome to episode eight of the Organizing for Change podcast where our goal is to equip coalitions, organizations, and individuals to bring change to their community. I had the unique opportunity of talking to Holly Wade this month. She is the CEO of a company called Trades of Hope, and she talks a little bit about leadership and its importance in creating change. Holly is a visionary, a church planter, pastor's wife, speaker, and a missional entrepreneur. And whether it's helping the hurting, starting trades of hope, mentoring leaders, or helping marriages and families, her passion is helping people live with passion and purpose. Her company, Trades of Hope, helps women in desperate places by selling their fair trade products through the party plan model. This creates a dignified partnership empowering women out of the sex industry, slums and sweatshops, and extreme poverty. And I thought that this would be a great conversation to bring to all of you because Holly talks about what it's like to go from starting something up in the first place to bring it to a successful company today that employs hundreds of women and brings in over $10 million in sales. And just this is a great conversation for anybody who wants to know how to grow their coalition and why having leadership is so important uh, to begin with. All right, so today I'm so excited. We are welcoming Holly Wade, who is the CEO of Trades of Hope. And we're just going to let Holly talk a little bit about what she does, who she is, and then we'll launch into some questions that we have uh, later on in the podcast. So welcome, Holly. Thank you so much, Amanda. It's so great to be here. I love what you guys are doing, and I'm so honored to be able to be a part of it and uh, share a little bit about what I'm doing with Trades of Hope and making change in the world. That's awesome. So I'll start with uh, just sharing what is Trades of Hope. Uh, Trades of Hope helps women out of poverty all over the world, out of the slums, sweatshops, sex trade. And we do that by selling their fair trade products, which is jewelry, bags, scarves, uh, through home parties and online parties. And uh, we started in 2010. And how we got started was uh, actually I had a heart attack. And at 40 years old, that was pretty terrifying. And I remember curling up in a ball and just being so uh, afraid to do anything. And uh, I realized as I was curled up in that ball that to live in fear is to not live at all. And I started uh, really praying through, like, what's the next step in my life? And I have five kids, and I sort of asked myself, like, what's, what's my destiny? And uh, I'm actually um, a pastor's wife, a church planter. Actually, Amanda and I know each other through church planting and uh, being pastor's wives. And in that place in my life, I knew that God had created me for more, and I needed to dream bigger and believe in a, uh, the next for my life. And so I started praying what that would be, and I ended up at a candle party. And I remember sitting there as we were uh, hearing the girl in front talk about owning her own business. And there's about 10 people in the room, and I love a party, so I loved connecting with other women. And I remember going home, and just it stuck with me. And I 
I thought, God, you know, in my experiences in life being a pastor's wife and traveling and doing missions trips, uh, I had always struggled with, um, honestly, being so blessed and seeing around the world how people live. The reality is, um, you know, 40% of all women around the world make less than $2 a day. And as I sat in that candle party, I remember thinking like, through this model, like, we could really make major change in the world. If we could sell products that were made by women in desperate places um, and, and not factories, we could really change lives. And so we went forward with that, and God brought me my partner who actually had started an orphanage and a school and a medical clinic in Haiti, Gretchen Heitchkins, and her daughter Elizabeth are partnering with me and my daughter Chelsea Antos. And um, we started Trades of Hope in 2010, and we have grown to um, all over the country. We um, have women that are called compassionate entrepreneurs, and they sell the products, share the stories. Um, and what I'm really proud of is they actually make a living at the same time that they are helping a woman around the world make a living. So they're actually putting food on their table, and at the same time, they're putting food on the tables of women around the world. So it's women helping women, and uh, it's been an incredible um, crazy ride, and um, uh, God has just taught us so much through it, but through that, it has been so inspiring to see women be able to become the hero of their own stories, and these women around the world that have been in desperate places, seeing them overcome the struggles and the uh, difficulties that they've had in their life to find uh, sustainable work. So that's what Trades of Hope is, and that is how Trades of Hope got started. That's awesome, and I know that your company has really grown since the start. Just what would you say just a few things about where you started and where you've grown to now? Uh, well, Trace of Hope is uh, at the present time, uh, well, this last year, a $10 million company, actually. And uh, I mean, just think about that. What we can do with $10 million in changing lives uh, is incredible. And, uh, and these, we call them artisans, 80% um, uh, women, 20% men. Um, and we, you know, started off in a storage unit. And with all of us packing boxes and getting the um, beautiful jewelry and bags from the women around the world and then packing them up and, and sending them to these women who are having the home parties. And now we have 40 employees. Um, we have 5,000, actually uh, 5,500, over 5,500 compassionate entrepreneurs all over the country and uh, always looking for more women who want to be a part of uh, a career that feeds their soul. And it really feels wonderful um, to be able to know that you are making an impact on your own family and an impact on, on women around the world that don't have the same opportunities as you. So we're really proud in seven years where we are now, and we are really believing and seeing Trades of Hope is rapidly growing. Um, and that's an exciting place to be at, um, both for American women and the jobs that we're providing right here in the United States and for the women around the world. That's awesome. Can you tell me a story about one of the women whose lives have been changed as a result of Trades of Hope? Sure. Um, I remember uh, actually on one of those days that I was working on numbers, you know, um, and you get into something like Trades of Hope because your, your heart just explodes when you realize how many women um, are in the sex industry that don't want to be, how many women are having to hand their babies over to orphanages because they can't feed them, um, or you realize how many women, um, you know, simply uh, are being forced into marriages um, and their children are being forced into marriages and you get to this place where it's all about that but then at night when you start a business because it is hard you actually have to do the business part of it so you're doing numbers and stuff and I remember doing numbers and I got this email from 
uh, a missionary who was in Cambodia, and she was telling me that one of the women we had connected with, my daughter Chelsea had connected with, her name is Ya, and she's in Cambodia, and um, she was acid attacked. And acid attacked means that for whatever reason, sometimes it's because you disobeyed your husband or it's because you uh, did something in the community that was shameful, your acid is thrown on you, and you are, literally your skin is melted, and one of these women, uh, she lived in four, uh, four walls, little tiny room, and they had written to us saying, is there any way you can help, yeah, and uh, so we had actually connected with the missionary, and she was making some jewelry for us, and we got the letter back saying, you would not believe the difference in yeah. She actually had been at the point of suicidal in a place in her life where you know, she thought she never could do anything of value, especially in that culture and how you're treated oftentimes uh, because of um, some belief systems that you must have done something horrible in a previous life. So people actually felt like they could treat her poorly. And um, now she realized through making this jewelry, like she could make a living for herself. She could take care of herself. She had hope. She had a future. And as I'm sitting there thinking, why am I doing this at three in the morning, doing numbers and accounting, reading this email that came in from Ya and recognizing like her entire world had changed. She actually put a picture of the product she was making from the catalog up on her wall and she would look at that and she was now um, traveling. She was afraid to travel before. She was traveling to Thailand. She was actually bringing other women who had been acid attacked into the business and changing their lives. So the, the incredible thing is just to see that, um, that it overflows into other people and when you empower people whatever you're doing in your and whatever God brings you to empower people when you empower people it overflows and they empower people. So that's the story we've seen women be able to keep their children out of orphanages because they now have a sustainable job and we've seen women take leadership roles in their community that were never given that voice but when they started actually making money and the community saw wow they have value they can make money now they're leaders and a lot of times women don't have those opportunities to be leaders so we've seen women empowered in such ways um, that have blown my mind I was just in China in the brothels of China and seeing women who you know they're doing that because they need to feed their children and now they're given an opportunity to make jewelry or bags and their lives are completely changed and the biggest thing is empowerment they now become the hero of their own story they don't need somebody to come in and rescue them because they are able to rescue themselves through sustainable work so that's Yaz's story <laughs> I love what I heard too that when you're working to create change sometimes you can get so tied up in the numbers or the reports and it's so important to remember actually why you're here and why you're doing it and to communicate that to your team. I think sharing those stories to your team really helps uh, continue to inspire them. And I also love what I hear you talk about. Sometimes I think people see the problem as so overwhelming. Where do you start? Mm -hmm. And I love that you found where, do you, where you could come in and where you could start making a difference because you can't fix everything. I mean, some of the things seem like systematic issues and um, you know, that are so much bigger about finding where you can start. Yeah, and I, I, can I just add to that, Amanda, I, I, because I think you hit up, we're all a link in a chain, right? We can't do every single link, and we're not called to do every single link. And when you recognize that whatever you're doing that's making change and a difference in the world, that be the link you're called to be and do it well. But sometimes we do try to be too many links and think because it, it is too overwhelming when we try to do what's outside of our abilities and not really saying, okay, what is my spot and let me do it really, really well. Yeah. I was thinking too, how is Trades of Hope different than a charity? 
Well, that's a great question because a lot of people often think that we are a charity, and there's some great charities out there, but charity really should be there in times of emergencies, but oftentimes what we see is charity actually ends up hurting more than helping at times. Uh, we see that, just to give you an example, over in, in uh, Haiti when you know, so many people rallied together and sent them peanut butter, but the truth of the matter was the one really great resource they had in Haiti was they had peanut farmers. And of course, when you send all that peanut butter over to Haiti, what's going to happen to the peanut farmers? They actually end up in the same line looking for the handout because if people can get something for free, they're not going to pay for it. Or we send people over there to build houses rather than paying the people there to build houses. You will see, you know, Americans come in and build a house, but you then see the Haitian people or African people or whatever, um, carpenters sitting on the ground kind of watching you go, well, thanks, but now I don't have a job. So we really believe in sustainable uh, income and creating uh, job creation. And we really believe that is the way, that is the best way that we can help in a long-term way. Like, again, you know, there's times charities have to come in and there's great ones out there. Um, but these women don't want a charity. They want an opportunity, just like you and I. They want the dignity of having a job. You know, when your child's sick, we feel great when we have the money, right? We can take them to the hospital. We can take them to the doctor. Well, these women, they don't want to stand in line to get their child, you know, checked out because they're not feeling well. They want to be able to make enough money to take their own child to the hospital to take care of them. So we also are a sustainable business. That means we're for profit, and we're proud of that. And what we're doing in creating job creation, both for women in America and women around the world, it's really important that we are not seen as a charity. Um, uh, because in this instance, job creation is by far the best way to be able to bring change to a country. Does that answer that question? <laughs> sure. That's awesome. I think that... Um... It, that's so powerful because that happens in our line of work too, where people come in and they can, um, you know, rescue somebody from using. But it's like if they came to the root causes to find out why people are using in the first place um, drugs and alcohol, if they addressed that and created some sustainable change, they would have something that would last for, you know, for generations to come. Absolutely. Um, so, yeah, I think yeah. that's powerful. I would love to hear um, just an important skill that you feel that somebody needs in order to create change in your community. What's something that you've really learned uh, along the way? You know, well, absolutely, they need to believe. They need to believe in themselves. And, you know, so often we hear so much negative. I think they hear for, for every, you know, uh, positive thing, we hear 10 negative things. And I think so often, like, you might have a great idea, but then you go and you start talking about it and, you, you, you know, people start saying, well, that's never going to work. That's never going to work. Uh, recognizing that you have to believe in yourself and you have to not be afraid to fail. Uh, the best gift you can give yourself is to recognize that failure paves your way to success. And the person who is not failing is the person who is not trying new things. And so if you have an idea or you have a dream and you have a way that God has called you to make change in the world, recognize that you are going to fail. You're going to take steps. You're going to fail, but you're going to go, this is what I always say, right? Okay, I know how, I know how to not do that again. <laughs> now I'm going to try a different way. Now I'm going to try a different way. And we've all heard, and we need to remember that, that anybody who has ever done anything truly significant in this world has failed multiple times. And so you have to recognize that failure paves your way to success. And I, I realized I'm going to fail probably 20 times till I come to that solution that really works. And, you know, we hear about Disney who said he had no imagination and he didn't stop there and say, oh, I guess this isn't going to work. He kept going and kept trying more. Uh, I think uh, Bill Gates' first 
um, business was called like Trafodata, which none of us have heard of. But what does that tell you? He, he failed at that, but he got back on the horse and he said, well, I'm going to keep trying. So it is that determination, that belief that failure paves your way to success. So do not be afraid to try crazy outside of the box ideas that everybody thinks is nuts because honestly, those are the people that are going to end up coming up with those ideas that nobody did think of because nobody thought they would work. And that's what's going to bring great change. And I think that's in all of us. I think we were all created to do great things in the world. And I think just far too people believe that about themselves and are afraid to fail. That's so great. I was thinking about your organization too. You have multiple employees underneath you now. And just as a good leader, um, giving them opportunity to try things. Tell us a little bit about that too, giving your, um, your team opportunity to try something and let them fail too. Just um, talk a little bit about that. Well, first of all, here at Trades of Hope, we've really created a culture of loving people and, and allowing them to be themselves, finding the seat they fit in the best, but then stretching them a little and stretching them into a safe place where they can fail and where they can, um, uh, you know, try new things. And, you know, when we started out as a company, literally, I mean, all we could afford was minimum wage and half the people that came on board with us, they just believed in it so much that, you know, they, they worked around the clock sometimes for free because they believed in it so much. Um, so they believed in what we were doing, but they also, um, in, a, in this kind of environment, we really encouraged them trying new things. And the truth was, like, one person had to do 20 jobs. So uh, I hate to say this because it's a little crass, but we used to say, okay, who's going to do that? Well, who would suck at it the least? Because <laughs> that's the person who's going to do it, because we couldn't afford anybody. Um, so what, but what we ended up finding out was, oh, my gosh, you're really great at that. So some of our best people actually get hired doing the simplest of tasks, and they were allowed to have a place where they could fail, and they could learn, and they could grow, and they were challenged. And um, my, that's one of my favorite things about Trades of Hope, and I've been very much connected to the home team, is speaking into each person to see them become all they were created to be, like really how far can you go with the skill sets that God's given you? And that's what we do for our, our artisans as well, is we want to empower them to be all that God created them to be. And I really feel like it's limitless, especially with God on your side. Like we can do so much more than we ever believed about ourselves. But again, it's that belief, which is so fundamentally uh, important to uh, whatever you're doing in whatever uh, arena. I think that just shows too about your leadership skills because a great leader will take the opportunity to really pour into their team and just uh, be humble enough to let them shine and let them try things and push them to where they need to go. And I just, I think that speaks a lot about you and your team. Thank you. You're welcome. Can you tell us a challenge uh, maybe that you faced in, I'm sure you've had many of them, but just a challenge that you think would help our listenership really grow and some what what you did to deal with that challenge. Well, I think being realistic sometimes and not letting your emotions get so attached sometimes to the cause or whatever you're involved in because of course we want to we want to fully be engaged emotionally, right? But let me give you an example and what I'm talking about. Um, I travel a lot, so I was recently in India and the Philippines and Asia, and um, I fall in love with the people I meet. When I go around the world and I meet women um, who are just like me, have kids, have joys, have hopes, fall in love, but yet their life looks nothing like mine. I mean, sometimes they're in prostitution. Sometimes they are in... um, the slums. Uh, I remember going into slums, you know, stepping into a room, her entire house was the size of my walk-in closet. And uh, so, of course, when she's saying, you know, help me take care of my family, help me put food on my table, help me um, be able to make a difference in my family, my answer is, yes, of course, 
I will, to the woman in Asia who's in prostitution, to the woman in the slums in India, to the woman who is driving, uh, you know, eight hours to a job and leaving her six kids at home saying, sell more of my products. My answer is yes on an emotion side. The hard thing with Trades of Hope is the more artisan groups we bring on, um, we only have so many compassionate entrepreneurs. Right now we have 5,500. My prayer is we will continue to grow more and more with our compassionate entrepreneurs because we can't take on more artisan groups. So I have let my heart sometimes get so involved in the mission that I'm doing that um, it's easy for me to make the mistake to say yes to people. Um, but then I actually, as a company, we can't help all of them. Uh, so we might have to pull back. And so I've learned that lesson, just to be really careful. And uh, thank God I learned it a couple years in, so we make really, you know, better decisions now. But um, let your heart be invested. But, you know, what? we really have to be able to separate it. When you're, when you're trying to make the system and the processes work, you have to also make sure. Sometimes you have to make the hard decisions and say, you know what, we can't bring you on right now. And I'm telling you, it's really hard when you talk to a woman who's, you know, sitting there with five kids and can't feed them and is going to be putting them into an orphanage. But the truth is, I end up hurting all the rest of the artisans I've already brought on if we are not able to say no where we need to say no and yes where we need to say yes. That is so powerful. I was just talking with a few of my colleagues earlier today about how in the opiate epidemic, I mean, we talked to so many families who've lost people that are so dear to them, myself included. And sometimes the strategies that come out of the pain of that um, are done as an emotional response and they're not necessarily the you know strategy that has data behind it and the strategy that's been proven to work it's just an emotional response to pain and what ends up happening is that people actually get hurt as a result of employing those strategies in a community uh, in the long run you save less lives and you do exactly what you and you know, didn't want to do in the first place. And so it's so important to not make it an emotional response, just to sit down and really look through and use logic and data um, when you're making a decision so that you say yes to the best thing. You know, we talk a lot about saying yes to good things instead of saying yes to the great thing. Um, You know, sometimes you have to say no to some things that seem like, oh, they might be really good. But when you sit down, you dig through it, you find out that's not the best for your community. So that's powerful. Mm -hmm. Oh, you're so right. So right. That's great. I mean, I love how you that's in, you know, in in probably in every area, but especially as you were saying in yours, because there is so much pain involved there that I love that. That's golden. So I'm looking for what would be one piece of advice that you'd have for our listenership. Everyone listening on this podcast, they're looking to make change in their community in some way. And just where do you start? Um, You know, because it can be so overwhelming, but just one piece of advice that you give us. Mm -hmm. Well, I think I'm going to be super practical here because I'm a big, big dreamer and I love vision, right? But the reality is a dream without a plan is a fantasy. And God may have planted a dream in you. And I believe he has probably every listener here. There is a dream that God planted in you to make a difference in this world, whether it's writing a book, starting a support group, um, you know, starting a business, you know, like we did with Trades of Hope. Um, And I, I hear a lot of people telling me about their dream. And I love to hear that. But here's the thing, without a plan, it's a fantasy. So what I would say is you have to be willing to, um, research, 
you need to be able to, you know, continue to self-learn. You know, if you want to start something, go get, learn how to be a speaker, you know, because you've got to get up in front and, and talk to people. L- learn how to convince people things. Learn your subject matter. Whatever it is that you feel like God might be calling you to, make sure, sure you, like you said, do the research. Know the data. Get informed. And then make a plan. You know, really putting those things um, on paper and Every, every big dream is, seems overwhelming, but when you sit down and you do, okay, to make this dream kind of working backwards, like, okay, here's the dream. What do I need to do working backwards to start? And you get to those sort of, honestly, a weekly chunk. And you have to have good habits in your life if you ever want to do some big dream. You have to actually have good, simple habits. I always say to success, the, the things you do every day determine your success. So if you're a person who gets up and you can devote, you know, 20 minutes to, okay, let's make this plan. What is the first thing I need to learn about this dream? I need to do some research. I need to make some phone calls. Honestly, it's never pretty. The dream is way prettier than the actual work that you have to put into it. And then lastly, the advice I would say is be careful that um, perfection paralyzes. And I say oftentimes with dreams, uh, people think until I have every I dotted and every T crossed, I can't move forward. And keep moving forward. Those daily habits. And then when you go, well, it's not perfect. It will never be perfect. Somebody else will think it's perfect. You have to get to a point where you say, you know what, this is really good and I'm going to go forward. Because what I see a lot is they get paralyzed when they don't see it as perfect as they want it to be. So make sure you have a plan. Put that plan into practice in your daily habits. Make sure that you do the research so you know your subject matter and to make sure when you're at the end of it, you're not requiring of yourself or of whatever your dream is. It's absolutely perfect because, you know what, six months later, you're going to tweak it anyway. So that's my overall big advice for whatever dream has, God has on you. And there is a dream implanted in every single one of you. That's amazing. That's fantastic. Um, tell us before we wrap up here, what's one great book that you would recommend to people looking to create change? Oh, gosh, to create change. Oh, that's a hard one for me. Um, I just read Hustle. Uh, that was a great book that I just read. I can't even tell you the author's name. I'm so bad with names. Um, I love John Maxwell. Honestly, I would probably say um, uh, Winning with People is one of my favorite books because if you want to make a difference in the world, you have to have relational skills for the most part. Um, if it's anything that you're trying to take a dream out there into the world and have people jump on board with whatever you're doing, and people don't realize how much you can have great skill sets, but if you can't get the word out, if you can't talk to people. So I would actually say John Maxwell's Winning with People um, is such a great book. It's very inspiring, and it gives you the confidence to be able to take whatever that dream is and be able to share it with the world. That's awesome. And um, what is maybe one piece of technology that you've just, or like an app or something like that, that you've found fun or useful in your um, Trades of Hope experience? Oh, gosh. I hate technology so much in so many ways. But honestly, the truth is, is whatever arena you're in, do the research. Here's a silly what Google and so it's like well how did you learn all that it was googling like literally I, I joke and say my my degree is from Google University um, and so whatever arena you're in make sure you're finding out what the newest technology is and and honestly I hate to say it for us you know it's getting the word out so it's actually social media I mean it's it is um, Instagram and Facebook and staying up on all those knowing how to use that kind of technology and social media um, and then any kind of project management I mean seriously to get to the nitty-gritty um, every good company every good organization, every good charity, whatever you're involved in. If you are collaborating with teams, you need a base camp or a Rike or a Trulo or anything that's project management. I don't know how people did it 100 years ago.
ago without some sort of project management uh, system. Even for myself, I actually use uh, Basecamp, which is online, and I keep a to-do list every single day that I can check off and I can move around. And I couldn't function without it because literally I can't read my handwriting. So I have to have something like that. So hopefully that kind of answered that question. And no, that's great. I was thinking for the listeners out there who are driving or whatever, we'll put all of this information in the show notes. So please don't try to, you know, download that app or whatever while you're driving. Um, but we'll definitely put that in the show notes <laughs> and the books that Holly mentioned. Holly, this has been such a fantastic conversation. I feel like it was just the time flew by. And um, I really hope that in the future we get to have you back on the show to hear just, uh, you know, where you're at with Trades of Hope and just other insights that you've had. But thank you for everything you're doing to make a difference in the world. Absolutely. And if anybody wants to know any more um, about Trades of Hope, it's tradesofhope.com. And anybody wants to know leadership skills or how to make your family work when you're an entrepreneur trying to start stuff, they can go to mikeandhollylife.com. And so either one of those places you'll find out a little bit about uh, our business and a little bit about our life and how we lead. That's awesome. And we'll link those in the show notes too, as well as all the social media for Trades of Hope. We, I will put that in the show notes as well for people who are looking how to find you. Thanks so much, Amanda. And thank you so much for what you do and how you're changing lives and you're inspiring other people to change lives. For more information from today's podcast, check out our show notes. There you can find our contact information, social media, and website. Please get in touch with us if you have any comments or questions. And if you like today's podcast, please share it with your friends. Thanks for listening.